0: You are Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Tuesday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Holidays to one and all. Unfortunately, it is not a, a happy occasion for the Green Bay Packers who lost to the Minnesota Vikings Saturday night, 16 to nothing at home. It was their second shutout loss of the year. The first time that's happened in a generation at home. Brett Hundley set a record for most home attempts without a touchdown pass on a list with the worst home passer rating for a quarterback with guys like Joey Harrington, Ryan Leaf, Chris Wenke. It was ugly and it was it was coal in the stockings of packer fans even in a game that didn't mean anything and the vikings obviously had something to play for the packers didn't their their loss against carolina and the win with tampa bay eliminated them from playoff contention so we knew this game was going to have far less meaning for green bay as we as we talked about with Arif Hassan last week. This is a, a unique situation for Green Bay. Most of the guys on this team have been here only in playoff seasons. And a lot of the guys who've only known playoff seasons in Green Bay, the young players, they were the ones having to play in this game because Demarius Randall was out, Clay Matthews was out, Devontae Adams was out. Uh, half the half the Packers team, it seemed, was out with injury, whether they were held out because it was it was a meaningless game or because they were actually hurt we'll never know and we don't need to know because we got an opportunity to see a number of young players we got we got an opportunity to see some some good things from some of those young players and some bad things and i think as i as i as i tried to remind everyone last week we can take things from these games there are important lessons that we need to learn moving forward because it's going to tell us what needs to happen about this team their their construction their leadership, and their direction moving forward. So the biggest question, the biggest takeaway for me is what, to, how, what how to handle Brett Hundley. Because I thought he made some, some really great throws on Saturday. I thought he made some really puzzling decisions. He still is slow to process, but... When he makes the throws, I mean, he the, the back shoulder throw to Michael Clark that he dropped, and we'll get to him a little bit later, that was a dime. That was an Aaron Rodgers throw in into very good coverage. But the play call on fourth and three to throw a back shoulder to a rookie receiver against Xavier Rhodes, that's strange. Is that a play call or is that a Brett Hundley not understanding sort of, you know, what you'd call in basketball time and score? and understanding that maybe this rookie against your your all-pro defensive back is not the move. We don't we we can't know what the what the issue was there without you know putting Mike McCarthy and Brett Hundley on a polygraph. And there probably were better options on that play, but I think what this has revealed, what Brett Hundley in particular has revealed about Mike McCarthy is his inability to adapt, his inability to be creative. I mean, Brett Hundley in this game made a ton of big plays with his feet, and yet consistently this has been a weapon that Mike McCarthy has failed to utilize with Brett Hundley. I've said it over and over. He needs to be running the zone read. And they and they did run it, and he gave it. There were a lot of gives to the running back in these in these zone read uh, play calls. And he he's said as much. Brett Hundley said, look, it's been called. I just haven't kept it as much. This was the first time that he ran one of the zone reads and the Vikings were prepared for it. The first time really all season, at least by my count, that he hasn't picked up a first down. The fact that that wasn't called more is a bummer. But he made some nice throws. The throw to Trevor Davis that Trevor Davis just never even sees. If he he just puts his arms out. He doesn't even have to dive, doesn't have to outstretch. Just put your arms out. And it's an easy completion and a big play. Now, all that said, he throws two awful interceptions, one in the red zone. There's a turnover turnover on downs in the red zone. There's another turnover on downs late in the game that that leads to a field goal. I mean, this game was close. It's a two-score game, but really, I mean, an interception and a turnover on downs in their own territory lead to viking field goals or it's 10 nothing. And if Green Bay doesn't turn it over on on each of those red zone trips, where they do, they at least get field goals out of that, 10-6. And they'd have the ball with a chance to win it late, which Brett Hundley has has shown he can come through in those moments. That this is this is the paradox of Brett Hundley. because he in every game that they won, all 3 of the games and then the Steelers game, he made enormous plays late to preserve or catapult them to wins. And he put his team in position to win or at least go to overtime with Pittsburgh, who's either the best or second best team in the AFC, with a monumental drive to tie the game, including a fourth down conversion. And so it's hard for me to look at that and not say, okay, I want to be invested. I want to believe. And then he comes out and he has one of these games. Now I understand the Vikings defense is very good, but to come out and be 7 for 40 for 130 yards, that's 3.3 yards a pop. That's terrible. A 30 rating. Can't get the ball in the end zone. Hasn't thrown a home touchdown pass. Now, I've mentioned this before. You look at the defenses he's faced at home. New Orleans, Detroit, Baltimore, Minnesota, Tampa Bay. The only, the only cupcake in there is Tampa Bay. And obviously, he didn't play well against Tampa Bay. But those other defenses are very legit. Now, I do think a better quarterback, a more competent NFL starter or NFL backup plays better in some of those games and maybe Green Bay is able to steal one and, and maybe Aaron Rodgers would have, would have been able to play despite the loss against Carolina because they have an extra win in their pocket and they could still be in position. I don't know if that's the case. I do know that they won three games that Brett Hundley helped them win. And they almost won another game against a great, a very good team on the road because of something, because of a drive Brett Hundley put together. I think what you have to do with him is he needs to be the backup again next year. I think you need to draft someone, not necessarily highly, though I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think Rodgers has enough time, but I think if you look in the mid rounds, four, five, six, same place they grabbed Hundley, that that could be a place. To look for your heir apparent, at least, at least, someone that you can that you can have some faith in back there, who is a little bit more polished as a passer. I mean, this is the thing that practice does not allow you to do. And so, that the, the Brett Hundley situation is is a broader discussion on on player development. And I've written about it at Acme Packing Company, and, and I suggest you go back and read those things that I've written. I've talked about it on this show. It is really hard and it's going to become harder to develop quarterbacks in the league with the current CBA, the restrictions on practice time, live hitting practice as well, and how much time the quarterbacks and the players can spend with their coaches. It's going to impede development of backups and young quarterbacks without having them on the field. So if you're going to if you're going to find an heir apparent, you need to do that. You're going to need to you're going to need to take a risk in terms of talent. You need to invest in talent at the quarterback position because there's only there's only so much polish that you can put on a stone as rough as Brett Hundley was coming out. And I, look, I loved his talent. I've been on the record on this show over and over and over again. I think he's really talented. And I, th- I thought he would be better than he's been. At a certain point, as Mike McCarthy said a couple weeks ago, you are what you put on film. And right now, Brett Hundley on film is a wildly inconsistent quarterback who is incapable of regularly making throws that NFL quarterbacks have to be able to make, backups or otherwise. And I understand the the desire to want to bring bring in a veteran. I'm not necessarily opposed to that. I thought Brian Hoyer would have been a good choice. I thought Colin Kaepernick would have been a good choice, but here's my problem with that. I don't think Mike McCarthy would have adapted his offense enough. And it's why I didn't under. It's why I I understood not bringing in Kaepernick. If you wanted a guy who you thought could come in and run your offense, maybe Hoyer made more sense. Obviously, in this game, the Vikings won with a backup, and they've won a bunch of games with a backup. So, what does that say about the, the constitution of this team? What does it say about the leadership of this team? The vision of it offensively? Those are things and conversations that we're going to have moving forward on the show. Before we get there this week, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value and gets you access to to all sorts of data behind Pro Football Focus's paywall. Player grades, all sorts of, of tools, charting. Mountains of data that could all be yours and all it would take is your name and your Twitter handle and a review of this podcast on iTunes. It really is that simple. Now, all of of what I said about the offense being true, the defense played really well. In fact, Green Bay outgained Minnesota on Saturday night. It was the turnovers that were the difference. Green Bay unable... To get any, Brett Hundley throws two picks. They turn the ball over on downs twice. And this still was a close game really until the end because the defense played so well. In fact, Minnesota, they scored just one touchdown. They get three field goals. They're four of 15 on third down, same as Green Bay. This is is obviously a much maligned third down defense. They played excellent situational football in this game. They only allowed 236 total yards to a top 10 offense. That was healthy. They had all their guys. Rudolph, Thielen, Diggs, Murray, McKinnon. They're all there. This this has been their offense for most of the year. And Green Bay, without Clay Matthews, without Demarius Randall, without Kevin King, they go out and they play one of their best games of the year. Case Keenum finished the game 14 of 25 for a buck thirty-nine. I mean, I mentioned this on Twitter. The biggest difference between the night Keenum had and the night Hunley had. Was in the red zone. Keenum threw a touchdown pass, and and Brett Hundley threw a pick. That's the difference in the game, because it's not like his numbers were great. In fact, ESPN, which which adds in running and situational valuation for for quarterback stats, and they created a stat called QBR. Case Keenum had a thirty six point seven QBR. Brett Hundley thirty two and a half. They didn't play that differently. Now I think Case Keenum in this offense, if Case Keenum is the core is the backup quarterback in Green Bay. I think they probably do win one or two of the games that they lost. They probably beat the Saints at home, given the way their defense played. Maybe he doesn't throw a bunch of picks against the the Ravens and Green Bay wins that game. It's unfortunate that two really bad Hunley performances cost Green Bay wins at home. And really three wins, because they probably should have beat the Saints the way the defense played, particularly in the first half. Now, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but... The the Packers stopped the run. Minnesota put up 112 yards rushing, but on 33 carries, that's, a, that's under 3.5 yards a carry, which is obviously a tremendous job by then. And the reason is the interior of Green Bay's defense is once again stout. This is the stoutest they've been up the middle in a long time. Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez, Jake Ryan, those four guys played great in this game. The Minnesota Vikings couldn't block Kenny Clark. He had two sacks, two tackles for losses, three quarterback hits. He was in the backfield constantly. And if he's going to develop into a pass rusher along with the ability to eat up space and blockers in the middle as a nose tackle, then he's going to be the best interior player Green Bay has had since prime BJ Raji. And I'm including Mike Daniels at his best. I think he's already passed Mike Daniels as the best interior defender on this team, possibly the best Possibly the, the best defender full stop on this team. And at his age, with his potential, his athletic gifts, Kenny Clark can be as good as he wants to be. And I think if, if Green Bay changes schemes in the offseason, which I think will happen, I think particularly if they go to a 4-3 and they allow him to be in a situation more often one-on-one with offensive linemen, I think he could be an 8- or a 10-sack guy. He has that kind of potential to be a Geno Atkins-level pass rusher because he already has incredible athletic talent. He has got brute strength and force. He uses his hands well to get off blocks. If you want to take anything positive away from this lost season, let it be that the interior of this defense, the run defense, you can no longer punk the Packers out because Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark are going to play Nasty. And Blake Martinez is going to come downfield. And Jake Ryan, who led the team in tackles in this game after not being a part of the defense really against Carolina, stuck his nose in there and played some old-fashioned power football in an NFC North matchup. Minnesota tried to do just enough to win this game, and they and they did. But not because of anything they did. Mostly because of what Green Bay did and didn't do. The Packers, without their top two corners and, and Devon House playing hurt, Hold Stephon Diggs to 60 yards on five catches. Adam Thielen, 24 yards on two catches. To hold those those two to seven total receptions and under 90 yards is an incredible accomplishment for a secondary playing as banged up as it was. It's the most aggressive. We've seen HaHa Clinton Dix play. He helped a lot on the doubling of Adam Thielen. Josh Jones was matched up a ton on Rudolph the tight end. Appropriate that he was playing on Christmas. Although I guess it wasn't technically Christmas. This is another one of those cases where when Green Bay simplifies it because they have to out of necessity, they just play better. I mean, Lindsey Pipkins, who I have been saying all year and, and going back to the preseason, I think needs to be on the field more. He made some nice plays. He he will tackle. I mentioned this on Twitter on Saturday. The fact that he has one discernible NFL trait, and that is a willingness and an ability to go make tackles, is more legitimate NFL traits than some of the corners playing ahead of him to start the season had. And if he's your fourth corner, I think you're in good shape. If Green Bay goes into the next season and you have Kevin King and Demarius Randall as your top two corners, maybe you draft someone, maybe you bring back Devon House, which I'm not opposed to, and Lindsey Pipkins is your fourth corner. I think your secondary can be good. I like. I know he got, he got beat on a, a slant and go. But if you're going to get beat because of aggressiveness, I'll live. I'll live. What I don't want is guys running free through zones and, and get allowed to have a free release. And they don't have to play press, man. A team like Seattle. I know they're unique in what they're able to do because of their personnel. But they press and they play zone. They play what I call the NFL equivalent to a matchup zone in basketball. It is zone with man principles. And they do play some straight-up man coverage too. I've been saying all year I think this team's personnel is best suited to play what's called a 4-3 under. I think that would would be how they'd be best suited. It would also allow them to play Josh Jones in the box more often, use the athletic abilities of of him and, and the size of the corners that they have And they would still be able to stop the run effectively. To me, it's a no-brainer. There has to be a change in defensive coordinator at the end of the year. This season proved Green Bay's defense just isn't good enough. And situationally, they played well on Saturday. Overall, they played well. But there's too much talent here for this team to be bad. There just is. And I know overall their schedule-weighted efficiency, the football outsider stats that I always cite, say that they're not that bad, that they're a mediocre defense, but you look at situational stats. They're the worst situational defense in the league. And that is a coaching problem. That has to change. And I think the most likely scenario this offseason is Dom Capers is replaced. I think Mike McCarthy is, is coming back. I think Ted Thompson is coming back. And I think, frankly, I think any insinuation otherwise is is naive. It's just not how this team operates. They're not going to overreact to one one season where you lose your, the best player in the world. This was a four and one football team on its way to making a super. I mean, they they win thirteen games with Aaron Rodgers this year, healthy Aaron Rodgers. Don't don't let what happened against Carolina fool you. And those team, I mean, I've I've complained about Jordy Nelson, and we'll get to that and Randall Cobb, and his limitations, but if Rodgers doesn't underthrow the three balls he underthrows against Carolina, if those are normal Aaron Rodgers plays, they probably beat Carolina. So for all the limitations that I think this team has, Aaron Rodgers would have been the difference, as is often the case. Over the holidays, there was an awesome, awesome bucks cavs game that that the Cavs mounted a furious comeback in the second half, and the Bucks ended up retaking the lead and pulling away to win late. It was it was awesome. The Bradley Center was rocking and it, it was just it was really great to see for Wisconsin sports fans or or any Bucks fan. And so if you're interested in NBA basketball in Milwaukee, you need to be locked on Bucks the same way that you're locked on Packers. I know we already talked about Brett Hundley, but we we do have to get into the offense a little bit before we get out of here. The offense just didn't play well enough. And that is not just Brett Hundley. As I mentioned, he made a couple of great throws that his receivers really let him down on. Six drops by my count. That was the most since 2014 for the Packers. And you just, you can't have that. In a game with your backup quarterback, you have to make plays for him. And instead, Green Bay actively undermined him. I mean, Lance Kendricks was an abomination. Uh, he dropped a pass in the red zone that, that preceded the fourth down play that, that probably could have been a touchdown if he catches it cleanly. He drops it. Instead, Green Bay turns the ball over on downs. I mean, multiple bad drops. Jordy Nelson... Brett Hundley makes a great throw on a big play down the field. Jordy Nelson has it and allows the defender to knock the ball away. He has just not been good enough on contested catches. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter. If you're going to evolve into late career Jordy Nelson and you're going to play in the slot and it's going to be harder for you to make plays down the field and you're going to have to use your, your wits and your guile and your... And all of your veteran savvy to make plays, then you have to be able to make contested catches. That is the thing that separates Larry Fitzgerald. He can still make not just contested catches, but catches in traffic and catches in tight spaces with bodies hanging on you. He can still do that. We haven't seen it consistently from Jordy since he tore his ACL. And it was never, he was never, you know, Terrell Owens or Randy Moss in his ability to just go up and make plays over defenders or with guys draped all over him but his body control was always outstanding he could contort and make and make catches that few other receivers could make here's the problem he's less open than he used to be and receivers are are always going to have to make some contested catches but if you're less open and there's a defensive back there who can put his hand either on the ball or on your arm, you have to be able to fight through and make the play. And he just hasn't shown the ability to do that. And so I I have wondered aloud if that was Jordy's last game as a Packer at Lambeau. I don't think it is, but it's a question that I think needs to be asked because I understand he he had had put up a bunch of touchdowns earlier in the year. But that was due mostly to his connection with Aaron Rodgers in the red zone. Not because he's getting open all the time. It's because Rodgers looks for him and he has a great second reaction connection with Rodgers. Rodgers always knows where he's going to be and what he's going to do. They see the field the same way. And there's value to that. And I think he can still be an asset to this Packers team. But it's not only clear that he's not the number one option. I'm not even sure he should be the number two. And he probably shouldn't. But Green Bay doesn't have a number two now. If they can run the ball effectively, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery comes back next year. I think we're going to have a conversation about whether or not Ty needs to go back to playing receiver. He still has 88. Now, I like him as a running back, but they clearly have two guys that, that they think can handle the load. Maybe you switch him back. And maybe you maybe you use him the way that they used to use Randall Cobb. You play him in some in the backfield, you split him out, and force teams to to say, this is how we think we're gonna this is how we're gonna cover him, this is how we're gonna use him. I wish Mike McCarthy had used Aaron Jones more like that. We know he can do it. He did it in college. I mean, I, I'm gonna keep going back to this. Green Bay ran a play against New Orleans that worked because Cobb made a man miss. It was a little swing route with a running back vertical. And I broke down the play at, at Acme Packing Company. You can go find that. What is unclear to me is why on a play that is so well designed that they go to one time, how do they never come back to it? How do they never call it again? Even with Rodgers, they didn't call it. Never got back to that. And this is where I understand the criticism of Mike McCarthy and the understanding that it's, it's possible to both have success and have your voice in a locker room get old or to have a necessity for a change of scenery. I think Mike McCarthy will be the coach next year. I think he can still be an above average head coach. It's hard for me not to see what's going on in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and no skill talent. They've won four straight games. They just lit on fire the best defense in football. With great design. It's hard for me to watch the Rams and not think that Brett Hundley could have been successful in an offense like that. Or that a coach like Sean McVay would have put him in a better position to succeed. And and furthermore, it's hard not to imagine what Aaron Rodgers, the most skilled quarterback in league history, would look like in an offense that made some things easier for him, that built things in that were set up to succeed and didn't just require the unique abilities of Rodgers and to have supreme talent on the outside, which Green Bay no longer has. It's clear they need a secondary pass catcher. We're going to talk all offseason about who those players could be in the draft, who they could potentially be in free agency. There are some cheap free agent receivers that I like and I think Green Bay should take a look at. I think it's clear Lance Kendricks, that experiment did not work out. He is not the guy to be the move tight end for this team. We already know it's not Richard Rodgers. So those are questions that needs to be asked. And and I thought Michael Clark showed some nice things in this game. The undrafted free agent out a Marshall. He's 6'6". He's a little skinny. But he's certainly big enough. Strong enough. He could have made that play against Xavier Rhodes. He just I think he just misjudged the ball. He sort of alligator-armed it. It was there. He didn't quite get his arms extended to make a play. But he has three catches on nine targets. Some of that was inaccuracy from Brett Hundley. Some of that was. Clark couldn't make the plays that, that were there for him. He did have that 19-yard diving catch that showed some of his athletic ability. He, he has some ability. They like him. This was the guy that Devon House compared to Mike Evans. And I don't think there's we have any reason to believe that, that that's what he is now. But 6'6", 217, can run, obviously has some athletic talent. At 6'6", 217, he ran four five three, which I think is the exact same number that Mike Evans ran. Evans has more weight. He was 6'5", 231 at the combine, ran four five three. Michael Clark, 6'5", 217, and he runs 4'5", 3. Obviously, let's not go nuts with the comparisons, but there is there is talent there, there is ability there, and I don't think we should rush to make him a tight end. I know this has already been out there that hey, you know, let let's have Clark be the move tight end. Obviously, he'd have to put on probably twenty pounds to be in a position to to play in line at all. Why do we have to rush to do that? Why do we have to say okay, you're going to be a tight end now? when he could be an outside receiver. He could be a big slot receiver. The Giants don't have to use Evan Ingram in line. He's just a mismatch problem. And he has been all season as a rookie. Let him get some reps outside. He's clearly, I mean, at at this point, I'm ready to say he he is a more viable NFL prospect going into next season than Trevor Davis. I don't know why Geronimo Allison regressed the way that he did this past season. I know he was. He dealt with a lot of injuries. Dealt with the suspension. I think Clark should have the opportunity to earn more reps next season. I think he should earn the opp. He has earned the opportunity to be the fourth receiver on the team. Green Bay late in the year has gone to more of those four receiver sets. Some four and ones. Some five receiver sets. I don't know why that wasn't a thing that happened earlier. Brett Hundley, you know, had the opportunity to play some spread which I like. I, I I wish the offense hadn't looked so traditional with Brett Hundley, obviously. And I hope against Detroit that Mike McCarthy continues to say, "Hey, we're we're going to go out and we're going to play four receivers and we're going to we're going to spread the ball out and we're going to we're going to try and, and give our quarterback a chance to succeed." Brett Hundley has one more chance to prove that he belongs on this team. I think if he lays an egg, then it, you just it's it may just be time cuz this is a game the Detroit Lions they don't need because their season's over too. But if Hundley goes out and plays well, I think he's I think he's playing for his job next season. If he goes out and plays well, he gets to stay. And I think if he lays an egg, maybe he's on the roster. But I think Green Bay clearly makes a significant attempt, whether it's signing a veteran or, or drafting someone, to come in and, and take his spot as the backup. Now, obviously, there's a gray area in there in which he could perform middlingly or just okay or good but not great. Those are all, you know, how does that matter for his future. We don't know. And we, and we don't know. We can't know. And I don't think the Packers know. I don't think they have a clear vision for how they need to move forward with Brett Hundley because clearly they thought he'd be better than he was. But that's who they've got this weekend. The Detroit Lions, their season's over. Green Bay season's over. This is very different from last year when there was a division title on the line and, and playoffs and, and all the implications that we had for that game they're just not there this time. We don't get that, and so it'll be the most meaningless Week 17 game that Green Bay has played since at least 2011, when in their seating didn't matter. But at least then they were going to the playoffs. So, so even before that, it's probably the least the least meaningful game they've played since 2008, the last time they didn't make the playoffs, and that sucks. But it means a lot of soul searching needs to take place in Green Bay this off season. We're going to get to all of that over the course of the off season. I'm not quite sure yet how the schedule is going to shake out for the next week, though, with the holiday, with New Year's. We will have more podcasts this week. I'll, I'll let you know in terms of programming notes what we're going to do with the Friday show, if we're going to have one. And then moving forward, I'll try and keep you updated on on how we'll move forward into the offseason and beyond. But there's still plenty to talk about. There will be stuff to talk about all offseason. So we're going to keep having shows. You will not lose your Packers fix just because the season's over. And I hope you'll continue to listen. I hope you'll continue to tell friends about the podcast. I love getting tweets and and running into people that I see. It was was great to be home in in Milwaukee for the holidays and and talk to people and hear them talk about the show and ask me about the show and, and say, hey, I told my coworker about the show. Please continue to do that. Share it on Twitter, on Facebook. On, on MySpace, if that's still a thing that you use. Tag us on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Tag me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Peter All of the writing that I do at FanRag NFL and Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation Packers site. It's all there for you. There is going to be more content from from the digital editorial side from me writing in the offseason. So I'm not going to stop, and I hope you don't stop listening and reading. I appreciate everything that that you guys have done over the course of this season, as I have taken over as captain of the ship, I hope I can continue to steer it in a positive direction as we move forward. The show has has grown all year, and the, the future of not only Locked On Packers, but of, of the Locked On Podcast Network, I think, is as bright as it's ever been, not just because I'm here, but because it has such great support from, from all of you. So I want to thank you for that. We'll be back here tomorrow which means you need to stay locked on Packers.